This morning we'll uh, tell you a story about the Miraculous Medal. Miraculous Medal is properly named uh, the Medal of the Immaculate Conception, but it got the title of the Miraculous Medal because there's so many uh, miracles associated with it. Before we go on, we should take a pause for just a moment and, and uh, say what the Immaculate Conception is. The Immaculate Conception refers to the fact that by a singular favor and privilege of God and through the foreseen merits of her son, Our Lady, from the first moment of her conception in the womb of her mother, St. Anne, was preserved free from all stain of sin. So Our Lady's immaculate conception. She's immaculately conceived, unlike the rest of us. But it's through the merits of her son, stretching, you know, since he stands outside time, stretching outside that. Now, uh, before we go on, too, just to think of this, our Lord is the new Adam. And the whole trend in salvation history is from, uh, from promise to fulfillment, from the lesser to the greater, that's how it goes. It goes up. And I just refer you to Hebrews 10, 1 and 8, 6, but we won't go into that right now. Anyway, so you're going from the lesser to the greater throughout salvation history. Adam was made, his body was made out of the soil of the earth, and then God breathed into him an, an immortal soul. The earth had not fallen yet when Adam was created. The earth was stainless. It was pure. You could say it's immaculate. If, our, if Adam, the first Adam's body, was made out of pure, stainless soil, how much more the new Adam? And so it's fitting that Our Lady was immaculate and that our Lord's flesh was taken from this unstained, pure, virginal soil of her womb. So that's another way you can think of it. So what the first Adam had, the new Adam has even greater. Okay, anyway, this morning we'll spend a few minutes concerning one of the miracles of Miraculous Medal. Uh, some people here have, have heard it. I'm sure it took place in Mississippi in 1944. We'll base our account on a testimony of a priest who was directly involved in the events, Father Robert O'Leary, a divine word missionary. The story was written up by John Venary some years ago. We'll just read edited excerpts of that story. So, Claude Newman. It's about Claude Newman. Claude Newman was a black man who worked as a farmhand. In December 42, when he was 19 years old, he shot and killed a man who had been abusing his grandma. So Claude was arrested and sentenced to die in an electric chair. While he was waiting on execution, he shared a cell block with four other prisoners. One night, Claude noted a medal on a string around another prisoner's neck. He asked what it was, and the Catholic boy told him it was a medal. Claude said, what's a medal? Catholic boy couldn't understand, really explain what it was or what the function of it was. And uh, so he got mad and tore it off and threw it at uh, Claude's feet and told him, you take the darn thing. And so Claude picked up the medal and got permission uh, from the guard and put it on a string around his own neck. And to him, he just thought it was a trinket, but he, he wanted to take it. During the night, that night, he was awakened with a touch on his wrist. And as Claude told the police later, there stood the most beautiful woman that God had ever created. At first, he's very frightened. The lady calmed down. Claude then said to him, If you'd like me to be your mother and you'd like to be my child, send for a priest of the Catholic Church. And then she disappeared. And that's when he got terrified and started to scream, A ghost, a ghost. Started screaming that he wanted a Catholic priest. So Father O'Leary was called in the first thing the next morning. When he arrived, Claude told him what had happened the night before. And then Claude, along with the other four men in that cell block, asked for religious instruction. Initially, Father O'Leary had a difficult time believing the story, but he did think it was reasonable, so he promised to teach him catechism and return the next day to, to begin instructions. 
when that started, Father discovered that Claude couldn't read or write. The only way he could tell if a book was right side up is if it had a picture in it. He'd never been to school. And his ignorance of religion was even worse. He knew nothing at all about religion. He didn't know who our Lord was. The only thing he knew was that there was a God. That's all he knew. So Claude begins receiving instructions. Several weeks pass, and it came time when Father Leary was going to give him instructions about confession. Two of the religious sisters from Father Leary's parish school were also sitting in on the class. The priest said to the prisoners, Okay, boys, today I'm going to teach you about the sacrament of confession. And Claude said, Well, I know all about that. The lady told me that when we go to confession, we're kneeling down not before a priest, but we're kneeling down by the cross of her son. And when we're truly sorry for our sins and we confess our sins, the blood he shed flows down over us and washes us free from all sins. And Father O'Leary and the sisters sat there stunned with their mouths open. And Claude thought they were mad at him, got worried, and said, Don't be angry, don't be angry. I didn't mean to blurt that out. Father said, We're not angry. We're just amazed. And asked if he'd seen her again. And Claude said, Come around away from the cell block, away from the others a little. When they were alone, Claude said to the priest, She told me that if you doubted me or showed any hesitancy, I was to remind you that when you were lying in a ditch in Holland in 1940, you made a vow to her, which she's still waiting for you to keep. And Father O'Leary recalls, quote, Claude told me exactly what the vow was, close quote. We know what it was. The promise that Father O'Leary made to Our Lady in 1940 is that when he could, he would build a church in honor of Immaculate Conception, which he did in Clarksdale, Mississippi, a few years after this happened. Anyway, Claude telling him that convinced Father O'Leary that Claude was telling the truth about his visions of Our Lady. Whether it convinced anybody at that point. Then they returned to the catechism class on confession, and Claude kept telling the other prisoners, you shouldn't be afraid to go to confession. You're really telling God your sins, not this priest or any priest. We're telling God our sins. You know, the lady said that confession is something like a telephone. We talk through the priest to God, and God talks back to us through the priest. About a week later, Father O'Leary was preparing to teach a class about the Blessed Sacrament. Sisters are present for this also. Claude said that the lady had also taught him about Holy Communion. The lady told me that in communion, I will only see what looks like a piece of bread. But she told me that that is truly and really her son, and that he will be with me for just a few moments as he was with her before he was born in Bethlehem. And I should spend my time like she did and all her time with him and loving him and adoring him and thanking him, praising him and asking him for blessings. I shouldn't be bothered by anybody else or anything else, but I should spend those few moments with him. Eventually, they finished instructions on January 16th, 1944, with one of the sisters standing as his sponsor, Father O'Leary baptized him as Claude Jude. His day of execution was sent for January 20th. He was supposed to be electrocuted at five minutes after midnight. The sheriff asked him, Claude, you have the privilege of a last request. What do you want? Well, Claude said, you're all shook up. Jailer's all shook up. But you don't understand, I'm not going to die, just this body. I'm going to be with her. So can I have a party? What do you mean, said the sheriff. A party, said Claude. Will you give Father permission to bring in cake and ice cream? And will you allow the prisoners on the second floor to be turned loose in the main room so we can all be together and have a party? This is a guy who's been electrocuted. Somebody might attack Father, cautioned the warden. Claude turned to the men who were standing by and said, No, they won't, will you, fellas? So Father visited a wealthy patron of the parish. She supplied the ice cream and cake, and they had their party. Afterwards, because Claude had requested, they made a holy hour. Father brought prayer books from the church, and they all set together the Stations of the Cross and had a holy hour without the Blessed Sacrament. 
The men were then put back in their cells, and the priest went to chapel to get the blessed sacrament so he could give Claude Holy Communion. Father Leary returned to Claude's cell. Claude knelt on one side of the bars, the priest knelt on the other, and they prayed together as the clock ticked towards Claude's execution. Fifteen minutes before the execution, the sheriff came running up the stairs, shouting, There's a reprieve. The governor has given a two-week reprieve. Claude had not been aware that the sheriff and the district attorney were trying to get a stay of execution for Claude to save his life. When Claude found out, he started to cry. The priest and the sheriff thought it was a reaction of joy because he wasn't going to be executed. But Claude said, You don't know, and Father, you don't know. If you ever looked into your face and looked into your eyes, you wouldn't want to live another day. Claude asked, what have I done these past weeks that God would refuse me my going home? And he was sobbing brokenheartedly, saying, why? Why must I still remain here for two weeks? Father reminded Claude about a prisoner who hated Claude intensely, a man who had led a horribly immoral life and was also due to be executed soon. Father said, maybe our blessed mother wants you to offer this denial of being with her for his conversion. Why don't you offer to God every moment you're separated from her? for this prisoner, so that he won't be separated from God for all eternity. Claude agreed and asked Father to teach him the words to make the offering, which Father did. At the time, the only two people that knew about this offering were Claude and Father O'Leary. The next day, Claude told Father, that prisoner hated me before, but oh, Father, how he hates me now. And Father said, well, that's a good sign. Two weeks later, on February 4, 1944, Claude was executed. Father O'Leary remarked, I've never seen anyone go to his death as joyfully and happily. Even the official witnesses and newspaper reporters were amazed. They said they couldn't understand how anyone could go and sit in an electric chair actually beaming with happiness. His last words to Father O'Leary were, Father, I will remember you, and whenever you have a request, ask me and I will ask her. Two months later, the white man who hated Claude was due to be executed. Father O'Leary said, This man was the filthiest, most immoral person I'd ever come across. His hatred for God, for everything spiritual, defied description. Remember, this is a prisoner and chaplain. Just before his execution, the county doctor pleaded with the condemned man to at least kneel down and say the Our Father before the sheriff came for him. The prisoner spit in the doctor's face. When he strapped into the chair, the sheriff said to him, If you have something to say, say it now. And the condemned man began to blaspheme. All of a sudden, the condemned man stopped, and his eyes became fixed on the corner of the room, and his face turned to one of absolute horror. He screamed, and then turning to the sheriff, said, Sheriff, get me a priest. The man said he had been Catholic, but turned away from his religion when he was 18 because of his immoral life. Since the law required a clergyman to be present at execution, Father O'Leary was already in the room, but he had hid himself behind some reporters because the condemned man had threatened to blaspheme if he saw any clergy present at all. Father O'Leary immediately went to the condemned man. The room was cleared out, and Father heard the man's confession. When everyone returned to the room, the sheriff asked the priest, what made him change his mind? He doesn't know about the, the seal, huh? I don't know, replied Father O'Leary. I didn't ask him. The sheriff asked, well, I'll never sleep if I don't. The sheriff turned to the condemned man and asked, son, what changed your mind? The prisoner responded, remember that black man, Claude, who I hated so much? Well, he's standing over there in the corner, he pointed. And behind him, with one hand on each shoulder is the Blessed Mother. And Claude said to me, I offered my death, and you knew with Christ on the cross for your salvation. She has obtained for you this gift to see your place in hell if you do not repent. I was shown my place in hell, and that's when I screamed.
Of course, they electrocuted him, but he'd made a confession. There's a lot to think about in this story. And I'll leave you to think about most of it. Mercy, sacrifice, suffering for others, prayer. Our Lady is the refuge of sinners. We call her our life, our sweetness, our hope. She is our hope. She'll intercede with us, for us, to her Son. We should be confident that if we pray, if we're saying our rosary, we're saying our three Hail Marys, that she'll make sure that we have the opportunity in the last moments of our life, no matter how we've been living, to make amends with her Son. Let us all have a true devotion to Mary.